0: You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC every comic book series... And Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe.
1: This is Jasper. And this is Randy. We watched two movies. And they had such sights to show us. Welcome to Season 2. Season 2. Episode 11. <laughs> yeah. Jasper mm-hmm. wh- I figured there'd be changes for season two this is not the change I expected I figured we'd just mention it in case people notice like I think you sound pretty good but in case people notice it sounds a little different uh we are podcasting over essentially over Jasper's Xbox one yep um uh, my uh, my personal car has died long
0: long not live that car um <laughs> R.A.P. so um
1: I'm I'm broadcasting from my home we're doing this, yeah. We're doing a remote recording here, and uh, Jasper's Skyping in through Xbox One, which is interesting. This is a first for me. I've never, I've never podcasts over an Xbox.
0: Yep. So if, it, if it's poor sound quality, I apologize in advance, but um, you're just
1: gonna have to deal. <laughs> I'm actually kind of impressed. It sounds pretty decent. Like that's a decent headset you've got going on. Sounds a lot better than most like interview situations on podcasts where people are like calling on uh, their phone.
0: Turtle Beach X40, I think, or something. That's, I make sure my gaming headsets
1: are top of the line. (laughs) Oh, oh, nice, okay. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it's it's pretty good. Last episode was our season one finale. I think it went great. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, GCU number 10, go check it out. We did a ton of movie pitches for all 16 movies from episodes one through nine. Uh, so, for some reason, if you just started here and you haven't checked that out, check that out. My second two pitches, because I had four, t- I said I had four pitches total, uh, by the time this episode goes up, my second two pitches will be on Patreon. So, you check out GC number 10. If you want to hear where my cinematic universe goes, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. But I'm thinking they'll be free, but they'll still be on Patreon. So... You want to check them out? Hit up Patreon. You don't have to become a patron to listen to it.
0: You know, it's giving you,
1: we're giving you a little taste. Look of around, what Patreon members get. Look around because we have tons of bonus episodes on there, like forty. I was, I think we're about up to forty like Patreon exclusive episodes over there. So, come on, a dollar a month, a dollar a dollar month. a month gets you. A dollar a month. A no, no, month. stop. Let's not do it. Okay. No Sorry. cringe. No cringe. This episode. We're gonna be
0: cool as a cucumber. We're going we're gonna to give you these pitches. It's going to be like a, we're giving you one chip out of the bag to try the delicious dip. <laughs> yep. And that's it. Yep. That's it. You have to buy the whole bag.
1: <laughs> All right, Jasper, what movies are we talking about today? We're talking about Seven. Oh. And Hellraiser. Oh.
0: I don't know what years they're from. Well, let's look that up. We'll get it. Uh, which one did you want to start with? I'm going to go to Seven. I'm going to go Seven, which is actually made in 1995. It is. It It was. Two homicide detectives are on a desperate hunt for a serial killer whose crimes are based on the seven deadly sins. In this dark and haunting film that takes years from the tortured remains of one victim to the next, the seasoned detective Somerset researches each sin in an effort to get inside the killer's mind. While his novice partner, Mills, scoffs at his efforts to unravel the case. It is uh, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yep. Directed by David Fincher. 1995, I was...
1: Eight, really,
0: Eight? yeah. No, I was nine. No, nope. my math is two I plus two plus is four minus three is quick math.
1: <laughs> well, this is still when movies took like at least a year to hit home video from the theater. So, like, now a movie hits the theater and we're like, when's it hitting video? What in like a, three months? That's so long away. So, I'm gonna guess I seen this in around 96, maybe. So, I would have been four, fifth. Ooh, is that right? 15, 14, 14, something like that. This is not guaranteeing a high star rating from me, but just just a heads up, this was m- like my favorite movie for a long time. So, spoiler, I like this movie. Had you ever seen this before?
0: I have seen um, bits and pieces of it. Um, I knew mostly the biggest thing I knew about was the, the box.
1: What's in the box? You knew there was <laughs> a box and there was something yeah. in
0: it? Yeah, like I said, the only thing I knew about that was the all the conspiracy theories, but... Okay. Okay.
1: Interesting. Yeah. You told me some of the conspiracy theories. I I didn't, I'm not keen on them. (laughs) I think it's straight. I think it's straightforward. What's in the box and a bunch of conspiracy theories, putting other things in the box doesn't really make sense with the plot. Right. How did this strike you? Like, uh, what did you think of this? If you'd seen bits and pieces, but this is your first time actually watching the whole thing throughout finding out what's in the box. Well, I,
0: I, I'm partial to, um, crime movies. I like crime movies, which actually why I watched this kind of not reminded me of it, but kind of maybe you want to watch Bone Collector again. I don't
1: know. If, of course, you probably seen that multiple times probably. But. Bone Collector? No. That's a... Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Bone Collector? What? No. F that movie. That's a that's a cheap seven wannabe. Bone Collector? That's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Anyway. <laughs> I know people like it. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I really like
0: the cinematography in this one. Mm-hmm. I like the dark aspect, but it was kind of not, like, too dark or too light. It was nice. It was not too dark, you don't think? mm Like, I mean, it was really dark when it had to be, but, like, when they're, like, outside and stuff, it's not, like, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this movie, there's heavy contrast. Like, the blacks are black, even in the, like, when they're outside and it's fairly bright. Those black, the shadows are black. Like, there's heavy contrast to the picture of this. Yeah, I think the cinematography's great. This watch through, it kind of felt too dark to me, but I'm assuming you watched this on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And I, I don't know. It looked fine. Maybe it's just the copy. I know at one point Fincher had gone back and kind of digitally re-color corrected the movie, you know, 95, it was shot on film still. And he went back and touched it up digitally later, but I don't know. It seems super dark. I mean, it is super dark. It's seven, right? Like it's so dark. That's I think why I liked it so much uh, when I was younger. But it felt it felt too dark in a lot of spots to me. But I agree. I think the cinematography is great. It looks fantastic. Uh, the sets are awesome. Like it's got the whole movie has such a it's got a cohesive feel. And it the feel is just filthy. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. looks so dirty. Everything is just grimy and disgusting. Even like, you know, the police station, it still looks dirty. The only place that doesn't really look dirty that I can think of is uh, the lawyer's office. But that's a bloody scene itself. So
0: they kind of sold like where they're talking about when I think when Mills first arrives, the first thing they they were speaking about was uh like he the oh this is like the worst precinct in the city, and I think like the cinematography kind of sold that like it's like the grin like the dirty part of the mm-hmm. or
1: dirty grimy part of the of the city that's like the worst you know. Mm-hmm. This is so 90s. This movie, yeah, everything. About, <laughs> it's so 90s. It's not the Crow kind of 90s, because sometimes I think of like, I'll talk to people, me and Jesse, I think me and Jesse and Melanie on the Grox podcast have talked about the Crow movie. I always say that's 90s distilled, like that's the movie version of the 90s. But this is also pretty close. It doesn't have the cheesy, it is, it does kind of have some cheesy moments actually, but it's just the attitude, it's the bleak, it's all bleak. The music is super 90s. It's got the intro music is a remix, is a very strange remix of Nine Inch Nails. I heard some Gravity Kills in there. So like the contemporary music that's in it is very 90s. And just just the look, everything about it. But also, can we talk about the tech for a second? Because watching this, I was like, you know, I know it's 95. Despite my saying it's a little dark. Um, It looks good. Like, I think the video, the film itself, it looked good. It looked modern Mm -hmm. is what I was initially thinking. But then I'm like, except all the cars are definitely older cars, like 80s, early 90s, very boxy cars. I was like, but, you know, it's still kind of modern, except they have pagers and there's no there's not a single computer. There's no I'm wrong. There's one single computer in the police station, and that's what they use to search fingerprints. Right. Otherwise, the desks all have typewriters. I was like oh, okay, nope, this is kind of dated. They print something off on a dot matrix printer, and I'm like, okay, never mind, this is very dated. <laughs> but, like, the story feels modern. Just It just, I mean, it, the story would play out relatively the same, but it's interesting to see the differences, just the tech, the old tech, man, the old police tech.
0: Right. The pager is like, I was like,
1: man, I haven't seen a pager in a while. <laughs> Rocking pagers, exactly. Also, that brings me to one other thing about the tech that I thought was funny that's really a sign of the times, but it seemed like a very nineties thing where it's like kind of conspiracy theory. Uh, big brother is watching man where Somerset knows a guy in the FBI, right? Yeah. And they, he pays him to get him a list of names of people that checked out certain books from the library. And this is a big secret where Mills is like, what was it? What did you, thanks for wasting our money. What did you do that for? What was that? What stinky man? We'll get to Mills in a second. (laughs) (laughs) But but Somerset's like, oh, hush, hush, it's a big secret. Like, the FBI keeps a database of people who check out certain books. Certain books are flagged. In order to check out books, you have to, like, you know, in order to get a library card, you have to have an ID. So, blah, blah, blah. And Mills is like, how is this legal? And it's like some big, like, shocking thing where it's like the FBI is tracking people based on books they check out at the library. Dude, flash to today, modern world. That is the least shocking very naive seeming thing, but like I don't know, this is well before 9 11, so well before NSA and all that, so I guess it was shocking. It's just weird to see that now, where Mills is like surprised by it, and how is this legal and today that they track normally. us all they track us all online, they track us all all the time. like yeah let's talk about let's talk about the characters. We've got two main characters here. we've got Mills and Somerset. Part of the strength of this movie is they're very well defined characters for the most part like they have a lot of personality it's part of what makes this movie work mm-hmm. and that's Morgan Freeman and uh Brad Pitt let's talk about M- Brad Pitt cuz his character is kind of humorous he plays it kind of dim you know what i mean mhm <laughs> he calls the guy that one guy stinky man oh. who stinky man he's got very sh- very short temper you know it's impressive to see a man feeding off of his emotions
0: i like that he's like arrogant but
1: not Like overly arrogant. Maybe if anything, overly confident. Mm -hmm. He's super confident. Him and Somerset do not get off on the right foot. And I don't blame him because Somerset he's kind of a jerk to him at first because he's like, You're not ready. You're obviously not ready. You're too naive for this. And especially then they land this thing that Somerset like knows right off is like this is gonna be a serial killer. This is gonna be a big thing. Like this kid can't handle it. But Somerset is very jaded. He's about to retire. He's lucky he didn't die in this movie. Right. <laughs> Cuz he's past retirement in this, like he stays on extra days to finish see this out. I was
0: always kind of wondering that too. I was like when is he going to like when is he going to die because he's at retirement,
1: you know. Two more days to retirement.
0: <laughs> That's when you know you're about to die. Yep. When you're on a big case and you have 2 days till retirement.
1: <laughs> yep. That's why he wanted off so bad. That's why he's like I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. Oh, yeah, that's what I always thought was like,
0: I was like, man, you're close to retirement. This guy's going to die in seven. Like he is dead.
1: Did you? Did you think so? Mm hmm.
0: <laughs> I, of course, knew like he lived because that, you know, the what's in the box was the ending. But but yeah, it was I thought I was like, man, every time they ever point that out in a show or a movie, I thought, hey, that guy is going to die last day. Uh huh. Like he's going to dodge bullets for the whole movie. But then right as he signed his, his papers,
1: <laughs> sniper bullet through the window. <laughs> And obviously, we're going to get into spoilers. We're going to get into spoilers on all these movies. We end up getting into spoilers of all the movies we talk about. So far, we've done pretty good at avoiding the main spoiler. So if you haven't seen Seven, like you should go watch Seven. I think it's, a, it's kind of a classic. I, I think it's solid. I will get to some, of my, some more criticisms, but I think it's... I don't know if I'd say masterpiece, but it's, it's definitely one of the best 90s films, I think. So it's worth watching. This movie was huge, and it spawned so many. It's Bone Collector. Uh, it spawned so many, co- not. I'm going to say copycat movies, but it inspired so many movies, dark uh, homicide uh, detective movies, so many TV shows. The Law & Order type stuff was already going on, but, like, I think this kind of blew up, especially some of the darker 90s, like, Uh, serial killer tracking detectives. There was Millennium, which was great the first season and terrible the second season uh, with Lance Hendrickson. And then there was also, there was a bunch of like the mind hunter type detective shows. And I think those all spawned out of how well this did. So yeah, this was a pretty big movie. This is David Fincher, who's big director. He's done a lot of stuff. After this, he did, uh, was The Game immediately after this? or was Fight Club. I don't know, but he did The Game, which was not that popular. He did Fight Club, which everybody knows Fight Club. More recently, he did like Social Network. I'm trying to think of the most recent thing he's done. That's another movie we need to watch, is Fight Club. Oh yeah. I've seen bits and
0: pieces of that. I've never seen it back are to back, you, or back front to back. Are you kidding yeah. me?
1: Dude, okay, so <sighs> I know we're <laughs> off topic. I, 7 and Fight Club. Fight Club. I have seen countless times. Like I, I literally have no idea how many times I've seen it, but I've seen it so many times. So you don't really know movies, right? Like, you know, kind of know movies, but you don't really know movies. So would you say it's fair <laughs> that we take an angle of like one guy who doesn't know about movies? <laughs> not to say I know the MCU.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, that's not. No, a- So what happened when I was little was was since I was the, the second to youngest brother is that these movies are being watched. and I was always kicked out of the room. There is a time where I could have jumped in, like got all watched all these movies, but like I started to watch that's how, even though I'm pretty sure I've seen that one front to back American, American history X, I started to watch that and then I got to the curb stomp one and then I was kicked out of the room, <laughs> even though I was not too far behind them in age, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Although one I'm glad I got kicked out of was uh, was a movie called the killing fields, which I don't ever tell anybody to watch. I don't know that movie. It's about the Cambodian war. and it's the most realistic war movie that they they ever had but don't ever watch it but yeah so so these movies were around in my house when i was little but i was always the little brother out odd man out so that's why i kind of also wanted to start this podcast because then i can go back and watch all the movies that i was kicked out of okay
1: yeah because leading up to this episode i think it was behind the scenes i gave you a lot of grief over not having seen certain movies including seven uh bill and ted's excellent venture which was almost this episode i don't remember why we didn't do oh because jesse recommended seven and hellraiser almost as not a punishment but almost like uh, he doesn't know movies you should do this to him (laughs) like Mm -hmm. just two dark bloody uh grotesque movies because they both are
0: my my thing is that I don't know a lot of like the masterpiece movies or like the, the icon movies, but I'm totally intrigued on how movies are made, like cinematography mm-hmm. and, and editing and scoring. And I think that's what kinda of pulled me to do this podcast was uh, I was like I want to get more in depth and see those masterpiece ones
1: mm-hmm.
0: and not, you know about okay. Air Force What all the time
1: you know we're going to end up diving back into the bad movies too. Like it won't all be like – it won't all be classics every time. But you know this. Maybe we'll do another Ants type double feature.
0: My friend said he's not on our
1: – I'll explain. But he said we should do like the two
0: – one of the two longest movies was Inception and Interstellar. <laughs> I was like
1: – I actually like Inception, but I've never actually I, seen Interstellar. I love Inception. I like I like um, Nolan. I like him as a director. I have not seen Interstellar either. I have not mm-hmm. seen, or his. you've seen his most, most recent movie, which was that that Dunkirk. I have not mm-hmm. seen that yet either. But Interstellar, it's just so long. It's just so long. That's why I haven't watched it yet, because I know it's super long. But I'll have to watch that sometime. Inception, I know for a fact we're going to do it at some point. I'm just not sure when. Right. Inception, I, I love that movie. It's not perfect, but I think it's it's so good. Anyway, uh, back on topic. So yeah, David Fincher he's also most recently he's done like Gone Girl Girl with the Tra- Dragon tattoo which is not recent at all at this point. The movie DB.org has him as the director for World War Z2 and that surprises that shocks the crap out of me. I don't know if that's really the case or not. Uh, they, they've announced it so I mentioned Mind Hunter type TV shows that Seven inspired. Uh, he mm-hmm. is a producer and directed some of the episodes of a Netflix show called Mindhunter about serial killers or about killers or something. So that's funny. Maybe we need to watch this guy just in case. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just keep an eye on him, people. He's done several movies. Uh, his Zodiac about the Zodiac killer. He directed that one too. So
0: uh, he's very much crime and crime and mystery.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. One criticism I have is. I think the movie's well-written, the characters are well-written, I like I like the dialogue, but there's some parts that are kind of over-the-top, over-the-top dark and moody. When they find the one guy who is basically like kind of starved, but just barely kept alive, they walk in and they think he's dead, he's in that room with all the little car air freshener trees hanging, the doctor talking about him has just the most over-the-top dialogue about... This man's seen as much pain and suffering as just about anybody I've ever I've ever treated and he still got hell to look forward to and It's just like whoa, okay dude okay tone it right. back tone it back <laughs> it's like this guy hasn't already suffered enough like <laughs> if his brain wasn't already mush, which it is he chewed off his toned tongue long ago. it's like whoa, we get it <laughs> we get it right let's talk a little bit about the murders specifically the most shocking ones or the most maybe memorable ones what did you think about the whole? hooker thing.
0: Whoa. Like that was, I was sitting there, I was like, holy
1: crap, that is crazy. <laughs> they, they handled that very well. Cause it's all in like, they show you the accessory, the thing that's made. Mm. And then like, you're at the scene, you don't actually ever see anything, but the guy, the, the little guy that was forced to strap the thing on, like his acting in that, in that scene, in the, interrogation room or whatever it's like oh that really makes it
0: yeah because he, he, so, he sold that
1: very well yeah
0: and then but that's what like I kind of like you said too is they didn't really show like a lot of it mm-hmm. but they gave you the scene like you know what it would what you would
1: kind of let your imagination
0: yeah you know, figure out how bad that that scene is like <laughs> it was which bad.
1: yeah I mean it's it's well handled because it is it's totally left to your imagination but it doesn't take much to like no oh god that's a terrible thing mm mm-hmm. it's pretty that's pretty extreme it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. hardcore
0: oh the one i can like get over was the, the. i think it was the gluttony one with just that whole whole fat suit like just the way they like yeah it was just horrible that's that's the first one too so they introduce mm-hmm. you to the whole thing i like how they also point out that the guy in the fat suit is also well endowed as, as they <laughs> would say
1: <laughs> so yeah it doesn't pull any punches I like the music of the movie too. It's appropriately moody. Sloth one scared me. The one where I thought ET was in the
0: <laughs> freaking room.
1: Oh yeah. No, yeah, that's the one with the guy, right? The in the in the apartment, with the air freshener things hanging. Arlie Emery. Arlie Ermy. I th- So what's
0: bad is I've always got him in like a comedic role, but it was nice kind of cool to see him in like that like actual like serious supervisor role.
1: He's still kind of funny. There's the bit mm-hmm. where he's He's sitting out at some random desk talking to people, and the phone rings, and he picks up, and he's like, this is not even my desk, and he just slams the phone down. It's like, <laughs> why did that happen? <laughs> why is that even there? He, I like him as an actor, though. He's actually pretty, pretty good actor. Yeah, I like him, too. In preparing my movie pitch, I looked up the character's name. It's Police Captain. He doesn't actually have a name. Like He's, he's credited as just Police Captain. I was like, they didn't even give R. Lee the, a name?
0: I think they, yeah, they did, didn't. They just call him captain most of the time.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, must have. Or sir, Gwyneth Paltrow is in this. Mm, Pepper Potts, of course, of course. I had, I had to get it in. Check and to you.
0: I had to get it in. We we cannot go an episode where I don't say something like that.
1: I like I like her in this. Uh, she, you know, but she, she's just she's just, she's kind of a wreck. It's her role. She's just a wreck. She's there and she's not happy. The, yeah. The few moments of levity in this movie like work so well because it is so like overbearingly just moody and dark. When they have Somerset over for dinner and that they laugh about that whole like the soothing uh vibrating home and all that that whole moment. I think that's extra effective because of how dark the movie is, but I think those moment, moments work. What did you think of uh Kevin Spacey? I was going to say that's the last thing we have to get to here. Kevin Spacey. This movie kind of made him made his career. I want to say, I mean, I know he was in stuff before and I know he did a bunch of like Broadway stuff or whatever. Everybody knows that. I think that's where he got in trouble, but I think this was his first big, like everybody knew him after this, you know what I mean? And, uh, it's kind of amazing. He didn't always get typecast into the serial killer, because then eventually, not long after this, he did like American Beauty and k Packs and a bunch of, there's a bunch of late 90s Kevin Spacey movies where he's not necessarily a bad guy. Or even a jerk, even though he's so good at playing a jerk. I thought he was good. I thought he was really good. I always thought he was good in this. It's almost, it's kind of over the top, but he plays it appropriately. Just weird. And he plays, he just delivers everything so like cold for the most part, except for when he does get a little riled up.
0: Yeah, also, I also thought it was a weird way to like, kind of progress the movie where he kind of just turns himself in. Like, he
1: just, he's like, I'm the one you're looking for. No, yeah, it's definitely a weird move. I was kind of thinking about that. It's a weird, it could feel like they're just trying to, oh, time to wrap the movie up, but it doesn't. It just, it kind of f- subverts the, what you assume the climax of the movie is, them catching this guy. Instead, he just mm-hmm. walks in and turns himself in. Detective! I feel like, I, I love it, he freaks out down there. The movie does a very good job of not, like, you don't see him until that moment either. You don't see who he is. You do see him once, but you don't know that he's the killer at that point. And he's kind of got big, he's doing a Superman. He's got the glasses and a hat, you know, he's a reporter. Because he shows up as Mm -hmm. the reporter in an earlier scene. Yeah, they say
0: when he, like, goes to, like, push him that you can tell it's Kevin Spacey, which I didn't catch that.
1: And I think back in the day it would have been even easier to miss it because he wasn't such a household name. Mm-hmm. But even now, if you don't know it's Kevin Spacey, I don't think you notice right away that's who it was, who it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to say because I know, you know, this recent watch I've seen, I've seen Seven a lot, so I know it's him, but, but no, I think he was good. He's good casting in that uh, because the speech in the back of the car is good. That whole scene, the whole end climax is is pretty awesome. And then when the whole box, when the what's in the box, all that stuff goes down and mills finds out that uh i can't remember what the character's name is what's mrs mills will say was pregnant the look on that spacey gave gives is perfect i always thought kevin spacey was probably like a real life just super jerk because he plays petty and jerky so well like too well you know what i mean
0: it's weird too like because he I, I was kind of thinking about this i don't know if you thought about this
1: do you think that
0: the blood on his shirt when he turned himself in is is uh Mills's girlfriend?
1: Yeah, no, I think it, definitely. Well, it said they—they they even said it was the blood was his from cutting his fingertips, which mm. if he's turning himself in, why did he go to the trouble of like cutting his fingerprints off again? Anyway, his and uh, some other persons, another individuals, mm-hmm. and, and so if it's confirmed, like we know who else he killed, so yeah, it's hers. Okay, so so I'm gonna. I'm a... Hit you with some trivia, but I want to ask you what you think of this movie if
0: this person So they went apparently they went through a lot of people um that they were going to cast as these people. Okay. And then were turned down or the person turned it down. The first one that they thought for Mills was Sylvester Stallone. What? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um Which What? What you mean stinky man? I can't even do a I can't even do a Sylvester Stallone voice. I'm mean, right.
0: know about singing bad for
1: Val Kilmer turned down the role to play John Doe. Ooh, that doesn't surprise Val. Val Kilmer was a commodity in the '90s. Val Kilmer had like a sexiness going on, and you don't need you don't need a sexy John Doe. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, Guillermo del Toro turned down the
0: chance to direct because, as a romantic, he didn't subscribe to the script's dark view of the world. Oh,
1: interesting. Al Pacino was supposed to play Somerset. Ooh, God, I'm glad that didn't happen either. Yeah. Hemingway, I can't. I wish I could do impressions because just thinking of some of these actors doing the lines that are in the movie is ridiculous. Yeah, the, the early choices were Al Pacino and Denzel Washington. Who eventually went to do Bone Collector and stuff, huh? I, I think Morgan Freeman's great, but Denzel, he could have worked. He's not too big of a stretch, I don't think. Yeah.
0: It'd been I think it'd been a lot more actiony though. Like, you know, Denzel's kind of that guy.
1: He's definitely younger though, especially at that point he was way younger. So, it makes sense. Kind of fits into the training day type. Yeah, I s- I suppose so. I suppose so.
0: Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage were briefly considered for the role of David Mills. Oh god. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go with
1: either, especially Nicolas Cage. David Cronenberg was offered a chance to direct this, but he turned it down. I'm glad Fincher got it. This was Fincher's second movie his first movie was alien 3 which didn- is generally not a well regarded movie but this was i think what he considers his first actual movie and i would agree like this is a this is a solid beginning to like a good career so i'm glad they went fincher but cronenberg i mean it's dark and gory and gritty Cron- cronenberg would have weirded it up though for sure 90s cronenberg mm-hmm. no less oh it would have ended up really weird Gene Hackman
0: was also offered the role of Somerset, but it turned it down because of too many night shoots. Okay. I like this too. I was going to tell you this in in another, it was titled seven. The film runs 127 minutes long and the 35 millimeter prints are made up of of
1: seven reels. Ooh, weird. So (laughs) weird. I know this script went around Hollywood for a long time and it was well known as the box movie. That's what everybody like, cause some scripts get shopped around for a long time and just don't happen, but like become well-known amongst the industry because you know, people read it and mm-hmm. this was known as the box movie. No, the head in the box movie. Oh, the head in the box movie. They're making the head in the box movie over there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I know this was a script that f- flipped around Hollywood for a long time.
0: And the last one is Harrison Ford was, was for Somerset. They mm-hmm. thought about getting him, too. I don't know if that would work. I like Harrison Ford,
1: but... Would have, make it, would have made a Blade Runner 7 70- crossover way easier.
0: Right. My thing, Harrison Ford and Morgan Freeman would be a weird one. And then Harrison Ford and Denzel would have been a weird one.
1: Harrison Ford might have been okay. I think he does Moody well. I, I picture it. He'd just be an older Deckard, almost, in that role. He's just cynical. Right. Cynical, moody. But Morgan Freeman, I think, is about the perfect... He's he's good casting for it because generally you think of Morgan Freeman and you think of the movies where he's like more hopeful in even Shawshank Redemption. He's like, you know, kind of an upbeat character. So I like he's
0: been the same age since since this movie, though, because he doesn't look like he's aged at all.
1: He's ageless. I know. I looked up how old he is, too. He was 58 or 59 during this movie. He's about 80 now, I think he's born in 1937. He's aged well. I think all around, though, the casting in this is pretty good, especially for the time. I think it just comes together well, and I don't necessarily see the movie being as successful with some of the people you mentioned that they looked at for for casting. I just don't think it would have – at least – I don't know that it would have the longevity that the movie, I think, does.
0: I think Brad Pitt and and
1: Martin Freeman are probably the best fit. Mm -hmm. They kind of riff off each other,
0: too. Like, they kind of – they also kind of uh, are very like cohesive and where they have to be, and then they're also kind of that almost like lethal weapon.
1: Yeah, they they're not. They don't necessarily get along. They're mm-hmm. almost t- polar opposites of each other, but they're still like an appeal to their duo, to their team up. Like there's there's not chemistry, but there's it, they're an amusing pair. You know, mm-hmm. there's a scene towards the end, and I, I, something I've never noticed in this or maybe didn't pay much attention is when they're shaving their chest before the end to to get wired up Mm -hmm. and they're joking about, you know, if workman's comp would cover if you shaved a nipple off or whatever. And they kind of have this, they have a laugh, which is, I think is a good moment, but then Mills gets like very serious and he, he's starts to say something and then he changes his mind. He doesn't say it. I want to know what that was. What was he going to say? What was that moment about? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you didn't even notice it, but like it, like I said, I hadn't really gave it much thought, but this time, this viewing, it kinda struck me. So yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, another thing in like in the trivia too was that uh, the whole like last part of the movie was like shot in different times because like Brad Pitt was on another movie. Hmm. Just the car rolling for like three minutes was like I think they said months apart where you know he had to go film that movie and then come back and do this. They said that all the aerial shots of the last meeting was all just people that were made up to look like them, and they said also Kevin Spacey was on another movie. So when um, Somerset's running at Mills and he has his head turned, it was another guy who wasn't actually Kevin Spacey.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. That last that last scene is so good. Throw throw it away. Throw the gun away. John Doe has John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> what was he? My question is: Did he really think he was going to drop the gun? <laughs> You know he had to try though he had to try. No, because even if, cause Mills is stubborn anyway, he's he, he wasn't going to regardless. Yeah, I don't know. I also really like they throw. It's got to be longer than one frame. Maybe it's like two frames. Just a quick little frame of Gwyneth Paltrow in as he's like as Mills is agonizing there trying to. I don't know if he's trying to resist the urge to shoot him or what, but they drop in a couple just a couple frames of. Gwyneth Paltrow. Before he's like, nope, pop, 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 pop.
0: Yeah, that actually it came in so quick it almost actually scared me. I was like, oh, what was that? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, just a little Gwyneth Paltrow face. Here's the, here's a question: Would you have shot him? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay,
1: definitely. Yeah, for sure. And do I mean they if they make it the worst possible thing. Like, and she was pregnant, and he didn't know, and Somerset apparently knew, and yeah, they they just made it. Yeah. As horrible as they could. That's an intense scene. Yeah. I was curious as to how this movie would strike you. Not as curious as I am about the next movie, but yeah, I was curious how this movie would strike you.
0: No, I mean, this one leaves you, leaves questions in your mind of what, say he doesn't shoot him, what happens then, you know? Like, Like, one of the conspiracy theories was, wasn't her head in there, it was because... Spacey wanted him to sh- to shoot him so then then he would be in prison for no just almost no reason other than killing him. But like you said I I don't get that with with Somerset's reaction to it because I'm like oh well it could have been a head that looks like hers but yeah I don't no. get it. I
1: like I like the way it ended. I don't think there's a reason to really look into it. I I mean people do just because you don't actually see her head in there. You see a little bit of hair, but you don't actually see her head and that's why people are going to but I don't think there's a reason to read into it beyond. I think he, I, I, think he would know if that was her or not. Oh know? yeah, and he's a homicide detective. Like he's gonna look, get a good enough look to be sure before he runs over there. What's <laughs> that? Have been weird if he like pulled the head out, was like, like just looked at it and was
0: like, yeah, it's her.
1: <laughs> if it wasn't, or even if he suspected it wasn't, Somerset would have. He'd have denied it. He didn't mm-hmm. like. No, this guy's full of crap. To save Mills. He probably should have done that anyway, but he couldn't lie. He, he couldn't lie to him about it. I mean, if, yeah, if you think about it, he, Somerset could have kind of avoided that if he did lied to Mills. But then right. Mills probably wouldn't have given up his gun anyway. He'd have went over there and looked himself. And then you'd have an angry Mills PO'd at you as well. So, and she wasn't one of the seven. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. Yeah. She, she was an innocent one. And that made him. That made Spacey's character guilty of envy, right? And his was wrath, wasn't it? Yeah, for killing him. Wrath, which he didn't kill Mills, but basically took his life away. So, yeah. So, star ratings, I guess.
0: Yep. You want to go first? Okay. Where you're at? Five out of five.
1: What? What was that? What would you say? <laughs> what do you think? We
0: have Mike what? Mike monitoring
1: issues over here. <laughs> oh, sure. What do you? Okay. What you you just said it? What do you think I rated this? Five. I did. This is a five star movie. Like I said, for a long time, this was my like number one favorite movie. It's not anymore, but I think it's still great. It's uh, just so well made. It's well made. It's it's well written. And it's still And it. Also, like, it's got some nostalgia for me. It's very 90s. The music is exactly the music I listened to at the time. And yeah, it's good. I like it. Five star. It's seven. Seven star. (laughs)
0: No, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go five on this one. Oh, I was very intrigued. I think this is. the first. Very, Are you serious? Were you gonna give it a five the, before you knew I was gonna give it a five? I was, I was teetering bef- between four point five and five, but I'm gonna give it a five because I, like I said, I loved, I loved the, not really say the set, but the picture of it, and mm-hmm. then the story kept me intrigued. It was the only movie that I've watched during this podcast where I did, I put my phone down. For the almost the whole
1: movie, you should probably do that every movie. No, no that's right. This is the first you've given a five star. I'm um, I'm actually a little surprised. Yeah, I was I was really into this this one
0: again. Like I said, I'm a crime crime show movie person,
1: and you like the Seven Sins theme too, huh? I think you commented yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I think
0: it was the first movie and even show that did the Seven Deadly Sins right. You know. There's a story behind all of them, you know, not just
1: killed the fat guy because, you know. And the method of murder, it wasn't just we murdered, the, you know, he murdered this guy because he's a fat guy. It's He murdered this guy by feeding him to death. I mean, essentially, it was a kick to the side that ruptured his whatever, but that's what he was trying to do, was trying to feed the guy until he burst.
0: I was laughing, too, because they said the guy that was in for greed, where he was kind of like bent over. Mm-hmm. They used, I think, four, four or five gallons of fake blood, so bad that his knees were stuck to the floor. Like it was because oh of made like the syrup stuff. Yeah. Oh. So they had to peel him off the floor. Oh God.
1: The guy that played the the sloth victim. There's a there was a story of, so he's this super skinny guy, right? And you know he's one he's one of those guys that like he'll go and audition for movies be. Because of his physical attributes, he's this little skinny guy. You need a little tiny skinny guy for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I guess Fincher had told him, I don't remember where I heard this, but I guess Fincher had told him jokingly, sure, you know, lose about 10 more pounds and you got it. Well, this guy's super skinny anyway. So the guy actually went and lost like 10 more pounds and then come back. And Fincher's (laughs) like, dude, I was, I was not serious, but, uh, so yeah, probably an actual malnourished person. Right. Yeah, they, I remember
0: seeing that in a cherry that they said he was actually pretty skinny. Like, he really went above and beyond for that role. All
1: right. Yeah. Seven. I'm glad we got to cover this one. Uh, like I said, this was this double feature was a suggestion by Jesse. And I keep, t- you know, he keeps giving on the most recent Grolix podcast episode. We talked about it. I was like, dude, you, you, you can't, I can't help it. Like, you, your suggestions are too good. You got to keep, stop giving me good suggestions. Melanie's like, would you just, got to make him host co-host with you then you got to make him be a guest on the movies he suggests that'll probably cut it down and jesse's like yep that'll cut it down <laughs> like no we just pull him on for good stuff like ants and wasp woman <laughs> right i feel bad for even putting him put him on that one nah hit that no that stuff's right up his alley man he likes that kind of stuff he gave he rated the wasp woman pretty or er, ants fairly high comparatively Wow, this is seven to just become our highest rated, like, two five stars. Nice, Mm -hmm. nice. I think that makes you happy inside. (laughs) It does, it does. It's a good movie. All right, now we're going to talk about Hellraiser. From 1987, Larry and his wife, Julia, move into an old house and discover a hideous creature, the man's half-brother, who is also the woman's former lover, hiding upstairs. Having lost his earthly body to a trio of S&M demons. I love that they put it that way. It's true, though. It's what they are. SM demons. The Cenobites. Frank is brought back into existence by a drop of blood on the floor. He soon forces his former mistress to bring him his necessary human sacrifices to complete his body. But the Cenobites won't be happy about this. Hellraiser. Uh, directed. Written. Directed and based on a story by Clive Barker. Uh, stars Andrew Robinson. Claire Higgins, Ashley Lawrence, Sean Chapman, Oliver Smith, Robert Hines. Max One Side Out? No. Nope. But it's got, I got it. I got a pinhead.
0: Doug Bradley. Now, to me, the, it doesn't sound like this one had a lot of, of known cast members, I should say.
1: I mean, known to me, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. I couldn't say. Um, I don't know them.
0: What's, what's your thoughts on this one?
1: I've seen Hellraiser many, many, many times. I like it. I like it. The single thing I wrote down is everything is filthy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's a classic horror movie. I think it's an interesting concept. The Cenobites, even though the Hellraiser franchise has not gone anywhere good, like remotely good at all, the Cenobites are such a cool and kind of iconic horror movie set of monsters. Pinhead is definitely like a very iconic horror movie monster. Everybody's seen Pinhead, even if they haven't really seen Hellraiser specifically. Right. And I think this movie is interesting because it's not really about the monsters. It's this story, like the overview said, it's about this dude that comes back and gets Julia to murder people for him, like bring him people that he can absorb their life or whatever from. Just kind of a strange concept. I don't like the weird sexual aspect to it, but that makes it kind of unique in a way, because it's grotesque and super sexed up and just, but it's in the creepiest way. It's just super creepy and gross. It just makes everything about it makes my skin crawl. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cheesy. There's some cheesy moments, but overall, I think it's a fairly well-made movie. This was Clive Barker's first and very first movie he ever directed, and this is he, he didn't do too many after this either. But I think it's put together pretty well. There's some very effective scenes. I like the weird dream sequence that uh, the daughter has. Super creepy. Kind of Nightmare on Elm Street-ish. Uh, What's-his-name? Wes Craven dreamscape type thing, only, in my opinion, a little bit better. What What, what are your thoughts? This, to me, I know, like, I'll, I'll talk about this movie. But what's interesting to me is what your thoughts are, because you've never seen Hellraiser. And on, like, Seven, this is something that... Like, Seven is generally, like, I assume most people... Think it's a good movie. Hellraiser's weird enough; it could turn a lot of people off. So, I'm on, I'm kind of on the turned off side of of this movie.
0: Um, but I thought this movie was going to be about Pinhead. Mm-hmm. Like everything I've ever seen of this movie. Now I've never seen this movie, not even bits and pieces. I I knew of Pinhead, mm-hmm. but didn't know the story behind him. I went into this one, yeah, thinking that it was about him, and then to figure out it's basically a love story gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know it was it was intriguing but yet it I, it didn't really capture
1: my attention it's based the story that it's based on by Clive Barker I think was called the hellbound heart or something like that which mm-hmm. like you said love story gone wrong well it's kind of like the first Friday the 13th doesn't really have Jason in it it's one of those things where pinheads there but the Cenobites are a side they're a, they're a minor piece they're a side character the story's not about them they're they're just a threat that sits off to the side for almost the entire movie yeah was there three of them i think right or four four of them we'll get into those two because oh god
0: (laughs) yeah because that's what i thought is like you would think they're more the main character but they're more like support like and not even almost not even support just kind of wrapped back into it like to to picture why he's in like they're more there to explain why he's in like that that form or that you know mm-hmm. where he has to take everybody else's flesh you know they're just kind of there to to tell
1: you why that happened <laughs> like they're yeah they're kind of the piece of the setting or a little bit of the motivation whereas this whole other story is the actual plot of the movie i think when i first watched hellraiser i too i was much i was a teenager but i too had the same thought process about it as you did like it's like okay well i know who pinhead is I mean, I've probably seen little bits and pieces of other Hellraiser movies. So when I watched this, I was thrown that it's like, oh, it's not really even about Pinhead. But how I look at it now is I kind of appreciate that aspect because it they're there, but they're not explained. The box is there, but not explained at all. I mean, they are kind of explained. It's explained what they are, basically, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't get into them themselves. And the movie's not Pinhead chasing after a victim for you know, the last half of a movie, it is this love story gone wrong, and I kind of appreciate that angle to where there's all this weird hell stuff, all the the box and all this weird stuff and weird chunks of wood spinning around in the room and chains with hooks on them and chunks of meat and then it all just is gone like weird, weird stuff. <laughs>
0: that was weird with the wall opening. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I like that aspect of it. I will say there's a lot of laughably bad stuff in this movie though I don't think it's a great i don't think it's perfect i think it's a mm. i think it's a great horror movie like it's a good i think it's an iconic horror movie but i there's some bad acting there's some real bad acting there's a that big monster at the end that chases after the the daughter finds sees it first in the hospital when she when the wall opens and she goes into that hallway mm-hmm. that weird big monster i kind of like how strange of a design it is. I don't really like the monster though. And I think it doesn't look great. I mean, I don't mind a rubber suit monster, but it's just weird. It's weird. Like when you've got the Cenobites.
0: I actually, I actually thought that the, the monster in the thing was better than that one in the hallway. Like the monster in the thing.
1: What at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, the one in the hallway didn't look great. And it was obviously like this thing that they had attached to the front of I'm assuming something on wheels that they could push like I don't know like you could you couldn't see the crew behind it but the way it was set up and moved it's just like in my mind I can totally see the crew back there pushing this thing towards the camera right the daughter's not a great actress in this the kind of love interest of hers that's in it a little bit is weird I don't care for that guy at all and his little <laughs> cigarette mouth trick does that really impress people it's weird it's, forget that guy I hate the style of everybody this super '80s like horrible style everybody's got. Oh, get it out of here. Julia's hair. <laughs> Julia looks terrible. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I had to get on my little rant. <laughs> so it's not a perfect movie. What did you think of the graphics? I mean, the effects. <laughs> I have to. I'm you mean the, You mean the CGI? <laughs> not CGI. There's no CGI in this. Well, no. there, there, there was some like. Um, there was some visual effects, like the little light effects and stuff, especially at the like with the Cenobites would disappear. But no, what did you think of particularly what always impressed me about this movie is the effects of Frank. When Frank comes first comes back to life, like in that room, and there's that weird it like bubbles up through the floor, and then basically like the skeleton stuff starts like assembling out of the floor. What did you think? Yeah. That was,
0: yeah, that was, that was intriguing. I also like his makeup as when he's, or like his, every time he takes a body, but I think they did that very well. Other than the other monster looking like crap, thought they did him pretty well.
1: I know. Yeah. Other than the one monster, I think the effects, I think the, the practical effects and the makeup on everything looks great. I think the, the victims of his look horrifying. Mm-hmm. The Cenobites, for the most part, look pretty good. One of them I have design issues with, but they look great. And Frank looks great at every stage. Like, he just – the super early stages, it's impressive. Whatever effects they use to, like, make him come out of the floor looks great. His Mr. Goodbody thing, where he's just basically like a skinless muscle dude, and he's just – That's right, Mr. Goodbody. (laughs) He's just goop. Like, he's const covered in goop head to toe. And she's, like, putting his finger on her lips, and it's like, "Eh, don't touch him. He's – gooped but uh yeah
0: cause that that's like I said it's like every stage of him was like you like believed that that person did not have any skin like they even had like the veins and the muscles and stuff
1: yeah it looked good and I think it it works for the most part there's some great shots especially up in the attic like I think a one shot where it's he's fairly early on but he's like just looking out the window or something but it's just like I don't know the lighting on his face there's some just really good shots in there it's put together fairly well for a first-time filmmaker. I'm not sure offhand who did the cinematography, but it, I think it looks pretty good. Okay, what was with where Frank is basically like, I think at this point Frank is keyed into his brother. He wants his brother and Julia doesn't want it doesn't want to do that. She, she, he's still her husband or whatever, so she doesn't want to kill him. So Julia and and what's his name? I can't remember her husband are in the bedroom and Frank's in there and creeps out of the closet and Julia is nose and she's like no no and she starts wigging out and frank has a rat do you know the scene i'm talking about if you don't yeah mm-hmm. i i know exactly what you're And talking he starts about. cutting through the rat and then he like flips it open it's like what was what what, what was that was needed for it? yeah because i i was actually gonna ask you about
0: that i was like what was with that like was he was he trying to say something or
1: i think i got you a gift i think the obvious it's idea rat. <laughs> the obvious idea is like i'm gonna get him i, I want to I'm gonna come kill him I need to absorb him or whatever but then the rat I guess is a like uh, a threat I don't know it's like all right I'll leave him for now but I'm gonna get him look I cut a rat up like I don't it's so yeah. weird
0: I was just I was like was he trying to like you I thought he said the sign like I'm gonna cut him in half but
1: that would be really weird if he like cut it open and just start drinking Larry Larry his name is Larry that brother's character anyway yeah I think so. yeah Larry seems like a nice guy. I feel bad for how things go with him. Julia at no point seems like a pleasant person <laughs> like even be no. even before like she discovers Frank upstairs, she just does not seem like a good person at all. but I feel no, bad for how not. it goes with Larry. Larry seems like a good guy, and he just he ends up pretty gross. He ends up on the wrong side of that situation. <laughs> There's some lines in here that stick with me <laughs> I when Frank does finally get Larry and he's basically wearing a Larry skin then cuz at mm-hmm. one point he's even like adjusting his eye and stuff like it, it's weird but then the daughter Christy the daughter comes over and she's upset and when she finally figures out what happened <laughs> Frank wearing the Larry suit is like come to daddy come <laughs> Daddy. It's the most weird, creepy thing ever, but just the way he says daddy. Uh, it's always amused me. Oh my god. Parts of this movie make me laugh, dude. That that always makes me laugh. I like when I like when the Cenobites show up. Like when she's in the hospital and it does that thing where there's like the brick wall and then the light changes and lights shining through the cracks behind through the or, or its tile. And like, you know, they look, it looks like normal tile wall, but then like light shines through where there should be the seams between the tiles. It's just open and it's lights. Like, I don't know. Anytime the Cenobites show up, it looks super cool. And I think that stuff's handled pretty well. You obviously have run out of steam or don't have much to say about Hellraiser. But let's, (laughs) let's talk about maybe a little column A, column B. Let's talk about the Cenobites. I think Pinhead looks cool. He's kind of the main one. Like he's the one he's the leader of them, but he's also the one that's like persisted through all the movies. Yeah. The other ones are the chatterer. I always called him, called it chatterbox, but it's the chatterer. What is it? It's got like barbed wire or something pulling its mouth open. I don't think it has eyes and it's just the teeth just the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. That one's super cool. The other one that they call female Cinnabite. Great, great name guys. Uh, she looks thought p-
0: that put that one in the thought process. Right.
1: Well, who we got? We got Pinhead. Actually, I think Pinhead has a, a different name, but Pinhead, uh, Chatterer, uh Butterball, and uh who's wh- what should we name the woman? Uh ah, female. She's a female centibyte. But she's got like this weird like hole opened up in her neck, and she's kind of gross looking. And then we got, like I mentioned, Butterball. Mm-hmm. I hate Butterball. I think he's dumb. I think he's so ridiculous. He looks stupid. I think he's a lazy idea. Like what I called him? CeeLo Green. You did.
0: You did. <laughs> I was like, it's Pinhead, Chatterbox, female,
1: and Cielo Green. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like Butterball. I think he's dumb. It's just like a... I just don't get why is he wearing sunglasses? Is my freaky? <laughs> like,
0: why the f- is this guy just wearing? There's gonna be a lot of bleeps here. So you have Pinhead. He makes sense. And then you have neck vagina, which is the lady. That is what it is.
1: I, I didn't want to say it, but you're right. You're right.
0: <laughs> and then you have the chatter, which makes sense. And then you have CeeLo Green Butterball. It's like. he's a fat guy with a fat
1: neck and glasses. Which and it's sunglasses. like,
0: you know, we're going to try to make this a horror film, but we're going to give this guy sunglasses like he found them somewhere or something. It just doesn't make sense to
1: me. No, no, I. he's dumb. He's the worst one. He's the dumbest Cenobite. I'm glad you mentioned but, yeah. the sunglasses. So stupid. I just—he's like, like, you know, they're out. They're all like at the Cenobite meeting, and he's like,
0: "Guys, I want to complete my look. I have a black coat. I'm just gonna go full shaft look, and then just sunglasses or Morpheus. He could be Morpheus,
1: <laughs> dude. They've all got a Matrix thing going on. They've all got the mm-hmm. lo- the long black coats and stuff. Yeah. Here's
0: another thing too is that I always thought that Pinhead is or is he called Hellraiser?
1: No, he's but not Hel- called Hellraiser.
0: Because um, that's what I always people are like. Oh yeah, this is yeah this Hellraiser I have. You know, like they had like a
1: little action figure of him. Really? They don't know what the hell they're talking about. then.
0: <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, this isn't that wouldn't make any sense? Then why would it be his own character?
1: No, Pinhead is called the Hell Priest. Apparently, It's kind of his. At some, I don't know which movie or maybe it was in the book, but he's known as Hell Priest, Lead Cenobite, the Pope of Hell, Doctor Paul Gregory. The engineer, Coldman, according to uh, Cinebite.wikia.com.
0: Well, where does Dr. Gregory come from?
1: It must be some one movie where they, let's do the origin of Pinhead or something stupid like that. It's not Why in this We just movie. have
0: come from the darkness. like we're-
1: <laughs> Yeah, this explains enough of it. They're like, this is what they do. They're like keepers of this box or whatever, and they show up and torture you if you want, I guess. Or if you don't want, but you're dumb enough to open this box. So, which is another thing. Maybe the box should include some type of disclaimer. Right. Let's talk about the box itself because I actually kind of think that's one of the coolest aspects of this, of Hellraiser, this whole story is because you got Pinhead and then you've got like the other thing that's known is Pandora's box, basically. Yeah. The, yeah, it is the puzzle box. And I think that thing's super cool. And even though I don't think it could possibly operate like it does, but it's a cool idea. Chalk Till You Drop ranked Butterball
0: number seven in, the, in their list of ten best Cenobites, calling him infamously creepy and mysterious.
1: Listen, you throw sunglasses on a fat guy, it doesn't make him mysterious, all right? <laughs> what did you think of Frank's final moments? I love it. It's so ridiculous and horrible. I guess that was cut down. Like, Clive Barker had to do a lot of edits to this movie to get it down to an R. Jesus, what? <laughs> I was wondering about Jesus. that. I wonder if that stuck with you because so they've got him on these fish hooks and it's like literally pulling him apart and like his face is all stretched out. It looks weird. It's not the best effect, but whatever. It looks weird and it was creepy just before his like everything explodes, his face explodes and everything he does. He says, Jesus wept like, which is weird. Why? But then he also gives a little, a little lip lick oh like a sexy thing i'm like oh god this movie man just that little the jesus wept and then the sexy lip lick as his face is getting pulled apart what
0: what <laughs> yeah apparently apparently that actor i was reading that just now on here that actor talked the director into saying jesus wept over just saying f- you which i think the latter would have been better <laughs> f*** you
1: yeah, though. Oh, no, no. I'm a little surprised by that because F.U. just seems, I don't know. It seems too typical. Just throwing out Jesus whipped and doing a creepy, sexy lip lick. Like, I like that because that's just like he got. So they got Frank. Frank didn't want to be getting of, gotten, of course. But then again, he still called them in the first place. He likes weird, s- psychosexual torture. So in a way, he's, even though that's not what he wanted, He's still into it, you know what I'm saying? So like I just like throwing that little extra bit of like he's just like, eh, whatever. I'm gonna enjoy this if it's gonna happen. Right. I think that just adds to the the super creepiness of just the general ick of this movie. Throwing an FU at the end was just I don't know, I, I that would have seemed cheesy to me. Also
0: another one is Claire Higgins hates the horror movies. When she saw this movie for the first time at the premiere, she had to leave ten minutes in because it freaked her out so much. She has never seen the whole movie,
1: really God, yeah. she's like she's like the main character. That's another weird thing. She's like the main character of this movie, not mm-hmm. I mean Frank's not really Frank, definitely not the 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 father or daughter, even though the daughter kind of becomes like the final girl or whatever, not pinhead. it's Claire. it follows mm-hmm. it's all about her. It follows her most of the time. so that's surprising to me. That's interesting. She gets kind of like the Wasp woman thing where she's like uh, almost like the
0: innocent thing. And then she just starts helping kill people like you're oh, killing people like Wasp woman did.
1: I like that she shows a little bit of conflict. The first murder after that, mm-hmm. she's just, nope, she's on board. Don't give it. She's cold. Don't give a crap. Yep. She cold, done killer.
0: She's like, I don't want to kill anybody. So that's the first one. She's like, I'm going to kill everyone in this house. Like, <laughs> like,
1: oh, I'm sorry. You don't like boxing because of the violence. She's like, no, it's fine. They should be boxing with hammers. <laughs> 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 also a hammer. Oh my God. Dude. That, that, uh, that first murder was one of the things that got uh, edited to get down to an R. Apparently they originally, they shot it. The actor who they played the guy that she picked up and murdered believed he's like, it makes more sense that my character would be naked during this. So they shot it where he gets murdered while he's naked. And then they also shot the alternate where he's got some clothes on, which is what they ended up using. And then the violence was toned down a bit. When Claire, uh, when Christy finds uh, Larry's body, what's left of his body, she, like, puts her hand in it. And apparently they cut a bunch of stuff out where she, like, more of her hands just, like, in his guts and stuff. It's, like, apparently they went hardcore, super hardcore on it. Because what we ended up with the R rating is still super bloody, super weird, super kind of sexual. And this is what was cut down from what got an X rating at first.
0: That would that'd be weird if it had an X rating. Like,
1: I mean, anymore, if it was released today, they'd have cut down for an R in the theater and then released the on-rated version. That's how that hmm. would have gone, but they didn't really on un- release on-rated versions, so yeah, they'd just give it a straight-up X. Or I guess it'd be NC-17 now. What would you think the rating would be in the theater today? For what we watched as an R-rated movie? Yeah. <sighs> It's hard to say. Like it's they, they just there's not a lot of movies that come out that hardcore anymore. Even horror movies. And if there is an extreme horror movie, the problem it just it seems like studios don't put a lot of don't put much budget behind horror movies. So if we're gonna get a hardcore a hardcore horror movie, oftentimes it's just gonna go straight to like streaming or something. Mm-hmm. And then in which case they don't have to worry about rating. So. I feel like it'd still be toned back from what we got there. Apparently the flashback scenes between Frank and Julia were more sexual originally and the studio like more sensual and sexual and the studio didn't like that. Um, Mm. It was too explicit. And so they recommended taking out some of the sex stuff and putting in more of the violent stuff. So that's why like her, their flashback is a weird sexually violent thing instead of just sexual the studio's like, no, that's too sexy. Put some violence in there. <laughs> Whoa, what? Okay. Like, apparently there was an anal thing. Like, there's there <sighs> anal of what? some kind. And the studio's like, take out the anal, but, you know, maybe put in some more of that knife stuff. Wow. your guys' priorities are real weird. <laughs> yeah. There's also an interesting, and I'm, while preparing my my cinematic universe and doing some research, I found an interesting tie between this and Seven. The intro song, the song that plays during the credits of seven, which I don't believe is credited in the, is uncredited in the movie, but it's a remix of the Nine Inch Nails song Closer. It's Closer, Precursor, and it was remixed by Coyle. Hmm. Originally, Clive Barker wanted Coyle to do the score for this. There's, I've heard some unreleased music by Coyle that was supposed to be the original score for Hellraiser. Coils like a like a post-industrial industrial um, avant-garde industrial um, band two-man act for mm-hmm. the most part. I think they've had other members throughout uh, the time. but yeah, so Coil was originally made music for Hellraiser uh, that didn't get used, but they did that remix for that music sound that plays at the beginning of seven. So I was like, oh, there's a little connection there. Yeah apparently Barker uh, is a really big fan of them so which is cool. that makes sense. I like I like that I like that Barker likes coil. But the uh the studio got scared. They're like, what? No, no, what? Is industrial rock band do the music? No, no. That's okay. No, we good. The music that's in there though, I think works. I mean it's more standard orchestral music, but I I think it works. It's still good. It's kind of uh become somewhat iconic on its own.
0: I thought the score was pretty good in this
1: one. Yeah. I think it's good. Creepy when it needed to be. It's creepy when it needed you know. to be. It's it's still it's it's not totally I mean, I couldn't tell you the melody offhand but it, it does have it. It's got kind of a hook that when you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, okay, Hellraiser. Okay, well, anything else you want to add before we hit star ratings on this? No, I'm good. Okay, I know.
0: You ain't going to like one star rating.
1: Okay, I went first last time, so you go first this time. So like I said, there, there are some things I liked about this movie, but I'm going to go with a solid 3.5. Oh, that's not bad. It didn't, from your reaction, it did not seem like this was your kind of Movie, three point five. I can live with that. I guess I'll have to. I like, I like how you judge my rating. You're like, I, I could do that. <laughs> it's like one day I'm gonna
0: be like three point five. You're like, no, four point five. That's where I'm putting you. <laughs> like,
1: it's, oh nice, that's funny. Uh, you're wrong. It's uh <laughs> You thought this just, was a five.
0: It's like on the website. It's like cross mine's crossed out. and It says Randy edit, and then
1: your Randy. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> You know, honestly, three uh, point five is not bad because mine. I give this a four. I'm only half a star higher than you. Okay, well, I'm surprised three, a little bit. Three point five is a little high. Well, four stars still solid rating. Three point five is higher than I expected, given I think your initial reaction to it. Are you sure you don't want to drop it lower? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I give this four star because I think it's. I think it's. You know. I think it's an iconic horror movie. I think it's classic. I think it's worth watching. I think it's a good movie. It's an interesting story. For the most part, it's well-made. I do think there's some laughable moments that aren't supposed to be laughable. There's some stuff that just doesn't make sense. I accept it, but it's like, why? Why does he cut the rat? Why does that kid even have to be in there that does the cigarette trick? The whole thing with the daughter, like, so she passes out in public and they put her in a mental hospital? What? Like, I don't, maybe that's how it is over there in the 80s in the UK, wherever they are. Don't get it. Some of the acting is not good. So like, it's not a five star. It's not my favorite horror movie, but yeah, it oh, four? I enjoy four. Oh, is four. still four super solid. So if you like horror movies at all, if you're like any kind of horror movie fan, you should watch Hellraiser. It's good. Most of the other Hellraisers are just not good movies. This is at least a good movie. It's interesting. So if you watch
0: horror movies and you haven't watched this, your opinion does not matter.
1: <laughs> no, i just say that for some reason you never got around to it. Or maybe you've seen one of the sequels and you're like, oh, this is a bad movie. I'm never watching Hellraiser. no, you should know better by now, but yeah, check out Hellraiser.
0: Going off that, what movie in in the horror genre would someone have to watch for you to to uh to honor their, their comments about a horror genre? What is like the must see horror movie?
1: I mean, I don't know if I'd dishonor the comments of most people. That's not totally true, but <laughs> I guess it it's more for me, it's more about what they have seen. What did they actually like? What kind of horror movies did they like if they liked a bunch of just total junk and not just not bad or trash B movies, but just crap movies. I'm not really going to take their comments seriously because some people just have bad taste or taste that doesn't align with mine. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, yours is the only right way. Mine's the right way. No, I, but if you're asking like, what are some must watch horror movies for horror movie fans? (gasps) I mean, I've done my top ten horror movie lists before, and say The Thing, The Shining. Didn't you give The, the Thing the same? What? Didn't you give The Thing the same rating, three point five? I think so. But yeah, The Thing, The Shining, those are always my top two. Halloween is usually up there somewhere. Halloween, I can kind of understand if people can't get behind, but if you're like a horror movie fan, I'm assuming you like Halloween, but who knows. Yeah, it's Halloween. No, oh, that's wrong. Not Dude. that. Not that. I don't even really care for that. I don't. I don't know why. I don't.
0: Neither do I. I can't I'm get not, into it. I get. I get people mad at me because I am not a Tim Burton fan. Like I respect the movies, and I don't hate them.
1: I just don't. It's not my cup of tea. At this point, I used to like Tim Burton a lot. At this point, he's done far more bad movies than he's done movies that I enjoy. Well, no, rephrase. Far more movies that I don't enjoy at all than movies I have enjoyed. I think his early stuff. Everything up to... Everything up to Sleepy Hollow I think was totally solid. That's like his classic... That's the essential Tim Burton stuff as far as I'm concerned. And then pretty much Sleepy Hollow and everything after is later Tim Burton. That's not that great. Mm-hmm. Sleepy Hollow was the turning point for me, for him. For me, for him. For me and for him. <laughs> And then the plan of the Apes remake was the nail in the coffin. Right. And I've watched a bunch of his stuff since then. And some of it's okay. Like that what the barber, the Demon Street Barber guy, whatever, Sweeney Todd. Oh, um. Like that's yeah, okay, T- but
0: I actually liked that one, it, but
1: it wasn't bad, but it's not, you know. Not one I'd have in my collection. Yeah, I'm not a musical guy. Alright, Jasper. The movie studios are after something something dark. Something gritty. Something creepy. Well, they managed to pick up the Hellraiser franchise for freaking dirt cheap. Nobody cares. What else what could they pair it with that's also dark? You know, it was very popular that they never made a sequel to Seven. So, how could they combine Seven and Hellraiser in the darkest universe? Maybe Universal Bottom. <laughs> Who's going first on this bad boy?
0: You can can take the lead on this one.
1: Okay, so here's my pitch. Like I said, GCU number 10 changed, forever changed the way my pitches are going to go. No more of this, well, I was thinking maybe this or a little bit of this, like we used to do back in season one. Actually, you're the one who started the ball rolling when you wrote out that RoboCop Judge Dread pitch with the, uh, the Flint water squirt gun and all that. So I didn't write this one full. Like, this isn't fully fleshed out. But I have some nice setup scenes, and then I have the general summary of how the rest of the movie will go. But, you know, of course, we'll hire somebody to take a couple passes at it to fill in the rest, all right? I call this... It's already so dumb. Hellraiser 7. Okay. Now, mind you, there's been nine Hellraiser movies at this point. The actual Hellraiser 7 was not called Hellraiser 7, and it came out in 2005. My version, my movie, Hellraiser 7 will take place eight years after the original 7, which was in 1995, which puts this movie as the proper Hellraiser, part 7, opens. Detective Somerset can't sleep. He sits awake in his small, dark apartment, metronome ticking away on the nightstand. He still has nightmares about it, about the drive, about the box. Always the box. He puts on a suit. Cut to street. Night. Raining. Somerset gets into a cab, during the drive, flashbacks to that other drive, the John Doe drive. We get footage from the end of Seven, brief scenes of Mills, Somerset, and John Doe driving out to the desert, except Kevin Spacey's scenes have been reshot. Tom Hanks now plays John Doe. Come on, what? Come on that's... Yo, what? Yo. Okay, all right, I'm on board. Which, total side note, now there's, there's, the, there's the video game joke about that, where they replaced Spacey with, I think it was Tom Hanks, right? You're you're mm-hmm. your first person shooter guy, right? So what yeah. game was that? One of the army of, Call of Duty? Call, <laughs> army of duty army of duty, rainbow Call of battlefield Ar- army army of battlefield duty, rainbow six, rainbow six duty battlefield <laughs> CSI. So <laughs> Somerset arrives at the station. Plus I want to see Tom Hanks as a true villain. He's like America's sweetheart, right? Kind of. Mm -hmm. I want to see him play just... I want to see him play Kevin Spacey level just evil dude. (laughs) Except not in real life. I wonder if he could do it. He's a a pretty good actor. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. Okay. Somerset arrives at the station. On the way up to his office, he passes by Detective Taylor. Somerset, what the f*** are you doing here? Don't you ever give it a rest, Taylor asks. Somerset keeps walking. When are you going to retire? Taylor continues, you know, I've been saying it for what, eight years now? We're all going to be really glad to get rid of you, Somerset. Why does that detective, who was in the movie, who was in Seven, get a name? Detective Taylor. And the police captain is just police captain. Come on, guys.
0: Because once you rank up, you lose your
1: name. (laughs) I, I guess so. I guess so. All right. Somerset doesn't acknowledge him. He arrives at the door to his office. He opens it and we see boxes upon boxes of notebooks lining the walls. John Doe's notebooks stuffing the small office. Cut to credits. John Doe's notebooks again. A rare closer remix by Coyle plays. The rest of the score is by Coyle. Coyle makes return. Dude, I was gonna go super nerdy into it. I was gonna say closer on recalled remix plays and not explain it and see if anybody caught it. But anyway, credits are over. Somerset is thumbing through notebooks looking for something. The department has made special exceptions for him here and there. Since Mills, for example, Somerset's refused to work with any partners, and they just kind of let it slide, even though that's not really protocol. The door swings open. What the hell are you doing here already, Somerset, the police captain asks. The box, Somerset responds. I keep thinking about the box. Jesus, Somerset, the police captain says. It's been nearly a decade. I think it's time to get rid of these books. I think it's time to move on. Hell, Mills will be out of prison in a few years. I like that addition. You like that? I had to throw something there. I'm like, if this is like eight years later, Mills probably maybe got 10, right? You think? Maybe. He definitely didn't get life. Like, it's almost, mon- it wasn't premeditated. It's almost a manslaughter charge. It'd be, I don't know what it is, but I, it wouldn't be like a premeditated murder. Plus he's, you know, he's a cop. Maybe they go harder on him for that, but I doubt it given the circumstances. Anyway. I've seen something in these notes, something about the box. So those are the writings of a crazy person. He wasn't crazy, Somerset snaps. It's dangerous to make that assumption. There's something more to it. Well, since you're already here, I've got one for you. Just got the call, a body. Go check it out. Title credit, Monday. Cut two. crime scene, a grotesque sight. an oddly emaciated body and a whole bunch of blood. Somerset investigates the area. The only oddity is a small, strange puzzle box of some kind. I've seen this before, Somerset says. Back at the station, Somerset is flipping through the notebooks again. I knew it, Somerset exclaims. He takes the notebook over to the captain's office and slaps it down on the captain's desk. The police captain starts deriding him for obsessing over the books when he should be working on the case, but Somerset stops him. Look, he points to a drawing in the notebook. Okay, and? Somerset slaps a picture down on the desk. It's the puzzle box taken at the crime scene. The same puzzle box as is drawn in John Doe's notebook. This is just beginning again. (laughs) All right. And from here, I've got the summary. Like, that's the whole setup, right? Mm -hmm. That's a little tie together. Here's how the rest of the movie goes. You fill in the blank spaces. All right. The rest of the film is Somerset investigating the case at hand, as well as the history of the box. He learns of similar unsolved murder cases in the UK. More murders turn up in the current case. Another each day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. The bodies are emaciated as well and a theme to the murders becomes evident. It seems there is a Seven Sins copy ki- killer. Eventually, Summers opens the box, unleashing the Cenobites. Pinhead, female Cenobite, great name, guys, really, Chatterer, and Frank are the Cenobites. I, I, I don't know what happened to Butterball. He got the boot. Now it's Frank. Which <laughs> <laughs> it should be way creepier.
0: It's like the camera pans, and just like where Butterball, be Frank's just standing there, just like... Come
1: to daddy. Okay. <laughs> That's all he says. Come to, come daddy. to daddy. Chatterer's like, ah, and he's like, come to daddy. Female Cenobite's like.
0: Aah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Through- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through interacting with them, Somerset discovers they are searching for another soul that got away from them. A particularly twisted soul known as John Doe. Somerset vows to hunt down John Doe. The Cenobites agree to let him do so. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. More people die. Everything is dark and gritty and grimy. Stuff happens. This is where you got to fill in the spaces here. Maybe some creepy stuff. Filler filler stuff. Yeah, you know, atmosphere, creepy stuff. Finally, Sunday. Somerset tracks Doe down at the scene of Doe's most recent killing. This time, Somerset, without hesitation, guns Doe down on sight, no questions asked. The Cenobites come and take Doe, but do not take Somerset. Instead, they leave him at the scene as the police arrive. The police bust in to find Somerset, covered in blood, no Doe in sight. He is arrested. Somerset has no proper alibi for any of the murders. Of course he was investigating the murders, but they always occurred at a time when Somerset was out of the station. Without a partner, there was no one to back him up on where he said he was at the time of the murders. Testimony from Detective Taylor put him out and about on the night of the first murder, arriving at the station in the middle of the night, coincidentally, not long after the murder occurred. Even the police captain, as much as he didn't want to believe Somerset was capable of the murders, had to testify to Somerset's unhealthy obsession with the John Doe case. Somerset was found guilty and sent to prison. He never did see Mills in there, though. He may have befriended a man by the name of Andy Dufresne, but that's a story for another time. Credits.
0: <laughs> Dufresne! <laughs> Oh my god. There we go. That's awesome. That is
1: awesome. How do you think about writing them out like that? Down for that? Should I keep doing that? What what do you think?
0: Yeah, I like I like what you did because you like the voice too. The voice sells it. Good. But, but was that when you said when you said title the title, was the title scene Monday? Uh
1: huh. All I heard in my head was dung dung. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So good. I should have said that. <laughs> not <Dun, dun>, Monday. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna tie it all in the law and order <laughs> This is the law and order 7 Hellraiser Shawshank Redem- Redemption cinematic universe Green Mile has to be in there <laughs> So honestly I wasn't sure how to end it because I was like I can't come up with something like a good twist or something shocking like the end of 7 That's a pretty good twist right And mm-hmm. in Hellraiser it would if it played out like Hellraiser Somerset would find the guy give him the Cenobites and then like have an overly determined struggle over the box with a creature and that'd be the end of it. I didn't want that. So I was like, well, it's still seven. So it's got to end bad for like for somebody. And uh yeah, mm. so whatever he gets framed or did he, maybe he was just crazy and maybe he actually did kill all those people. Oh, uh, maybe eight years of reading through John Doe's notebooks is not a healthy thing to do. Yeah. though you actually wrote out all those notebooks too. Yeah, I know. I know it's, that's insane. What do you got, sir? well
0: my like i said was more of a an outline was that i believe that they could have done so like mills goes to the prison Mm -hmm. and basically is so overcome with being one of the the seven deadly sins that he tries to repent and then so he starts reading up on how to like repent and then he does the self-inflicting damage to himself and then they show up
1: okay okay right i like it and then
0: he finds out that he, that, so he goes to their world to, and then figures out that Doe was actually sent by them to try to 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 purify the world. Oh, I like that. I like that. But yeah, and that was that was what I had because what I was going off was the comments made by Doe in the car where he's like, he's like, you killed
1: innocent people, and he's like, oh, all these people are innocent. Like, <laughs> only in a world this sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. can you call these people innocent? I like that angle. I like that a lot. I like the idea that the Cenobite sent Doe, and I thought about – I definitely wanted to go with Somerset, but I was like, Mills, you could totally go with Mills, too. That's a good way to introduce the Hellraiser mythos in the box into Seven through Mills. I like that.
0: I was going to make it to where like he got sent the puzzle in prison from just an unknown source, but then I wanted it to be from a source, It was going would be – I thought about having Doe send it beforehand, knowing he'd get
1: arrested. Ooh, I like that too. That's pretty good. But then it'd be like, how would he know his cell number? Or did he? His cell number, seven. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, okay. That was fun. I mean, the idea of putting these movies together is ridiculous, but aesthetically, it so works from a visual standpoint. Like, they're both so dark, and the, Mm. the weird, the dark, gritty world of seven would fit in any horror movie almost you know I mean I I don't know if people some people might consider 7 a horror movie I don't really but okay I mean I'd watch them right that's what I was thinking I I would watch them but I'd be upset that they were ruining 7 by meshing it with a crappy franchise (laughs) 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 but that's why you know whatever we're going off the first I still love the Tom
0: the Tom Hanks is now in that movie
1: oh yeah Tom Hanks is John Doe now (laughs) Well, initially I was like, "And they're gonna CG replace uh, replace John Doe with Tom Hanks," but I, I was like, "Wait, no, they'll just shoot him in the back of a car because uh, there's uh, you know all of Spacey's shots in the back, and you can't you can't rehire Spacey for the role." Life is like a box. Now that I think about it, hell. now that I think about it, they still have to replace Spacey in the back of the car. They're just not gonna even have him in this movie, but. The resurrected John Doe could be anybody because he will take the form of whoever I'm assuming the last person he absorbed to complete himself. Kind of like Frank did with his brother. So mm. it could be anybody as the role later on. It doesn't have to be Tom Hanks the whole time. Tom Hanks I'm sure is not cheap. Then again, neither is Morgan Freeman. So Or Brad Pitt. Ah, your, well. Yours had Brad Pitt though. Mine didn't even have Brad Pitt. He just gets a mention. Like we're going like, <laughs> we're going full on like, cheesy sequel where it's clear they couldn't get certain actors back and they're like oh yeah well Mills is still in prison he'll get out in a couple years acknowledging his or, existence but not actually going to him in my movie or if they do go to him he's like behind his shadow <laughs> yeah you're right this is a world of <laughs> <laughs> he goes all private pile on him and then Vincent all jumps in and then it's the cell it's a crap movie <laughs> I don't care what Mills people- is now played by Max von Sydow <laughs> <laughs> why do, oh, the, why don't we yeah, I should just cast Max Van Sido in all our movies. <laughs> Monday, boom, Max Van Sido. <laughs> Morgan Freeman didn't really like the script, so we're using Max Van Sido, but we're gonna we're, we're gonna CGI Morgan Freeman's face on him. It's kinda it's, digi- a, it's kinda it's digital like, blackface, but <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny they do it so wrong like, from here down he's
0: white but he's got more like face. they
1: literally just the face the hair's not even It's still Max Van Sido's hair <laughs> if he still has hair at this point he's pretty old
0: oh my god
1: alright well that's it that's what we got that's what's in the box everybody so next episode we're gonna amp this up next step Jasper next episode I expect you to chug like two gallons of coffee pop some go-go pills and intravenously take a bunch of monster because we're going to do a super action d- cinematic universe next episode. It's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. I say this and you literally lay back and close your eyes.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just stretched
1: huh. and closed your eyes. Okay. So next episode, we're going to discuss crank two high voltage and hardcore Henry. Two virtually non-stop insane action movies.
0: I'm excited for Hardcore Henry. I wanted to see that when it was in theaters, but I never did.
1: I seen the director guy's music video that kind of inspired it. He made a feature-length movie, all POV, and Netflix just got it. So it's on if you, A listener, if you want to check it out, so you've seen it when we discuss it next next episode, Uh, it's on Netflix. It just got added this month. So that's why I got a chance to watch it. Crank you on there? Crank 2 is not. I'm not sure where Crank 2 is. I'll have to look that up. And it's the connection is just crazy, insane action. I mean, if maybe there's further connections we'll notice when we're watching. But I was like, what's two, some of the most insane action movies I can think of is Crank 2, Hardcore Henry. You know what's funny? Now that we've done the whole cinematic universe thing, the extended cinematic universe, and I have that idea in my head, going mm-hmm. forward, I'm going to be like, So this means in the future we're gonna be able to combine Hellraiser Seven, Crank Two, and Hardcore Henry. And every episode is just gonna be adding more to that. It's just like waiting for episode twenty now. (laughs) I might have ruined our I might have just ruined our premise with that. But (laughs) all right, and uh, let's see on the uh, most recent episode of Grolics Podcast, maybe you'll be interested. Uh, We discussed Saga Volume Two. Uh, Saga is a great comic book. Uh, We Basically gushed about it for most of the episode, and then we discussed uh, we discussed some recent trailers. We discussed the Shazam trailer, uh, that insane Titans trailer for the DC live action TV show where he's like F Batman. And then we discussed upcoming Doctor Who. Uh, so if you like that kind of thing, check out Grolix Podcast, and you can find that as well as our show at GrolixPodcast It's G R A W L I X podcast.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. Hey, follow us on forget, forget the other guys. Follow us on Twitter at GCU podcast (laughs) as in Grolix cinematic universe podcast or at Grolix podcast too. Those guys are all right. You know, whatever. God, the one that runs that Twitter, he's just, he's a piece of work. Yeah. No kidding. What a jerk. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, whatever we're on Stitcher and, uh, Spotify and iTunes and all that. Uh, Facebook.com slash podcast. Throw slash podcast after Instagram, Facebook, whatever. YouTube. You'll be there. YouTube. YouTube. Pornhub. YouTube. Porn hub. Uh, YouTube. <laughs> I will be doing more videos on YouTube. Uh, randomly, the uh, mysterious YouTube algorithm gods have started showing a horror movie list, like a six creepy horror movies you might have missed video that I made four years ago. They apparently have started showing that to a whole bunch of people because that video has been blowing up. And I've been slowly uploading our older podcast episodes because I'd kind of dropped off of YouTube for a while. I'm uploading Growlix podcast and GCU episodes to YouTube now, so you'll be able to hear them there. So I'm thinking uh, I'll start doing some more YouTube videos. And since we have GCU now, I have a a good excuse to shove more movie-themed content on the Growlix podcast channel. I'll be doing that, youtube.com slash podcast join the revolution. Is that a thing? Is that a thing we
0: say? Viva la revolution.
1: <laughs> and then follow me on Twitter at Randall Soviets R A N D A L S I L V E Y. Also follow me on Instagram at podcast producer. Podcast. I am podcast producer on Instagram. Come on. I mean, you you locked it down. I mean, that means you're more legit than
0: anybody else. <laughs> more legit. Too legit. <laughs> too legit to quit <laughs>
1: yep all right jasper i'm sorry how about you man
0: <laughs> you can find me on twitter and instagram at, at ninja monkey lie which is n-i-n-j-a-m-u-n-k-3-y live not
1: live that's important. live you don't want people to get confused they might spell it wrong well that's where you get me <laughs> what are you doing he's doing a neck dance okay i know you can't see <laughs> what he's doing He's doing some weird head and neck dance. <laughs> yes, he, he's practically <laughs> laying down, by the way. I'm sinking into the couch. The see, couch. I can see. The couch. I'm sinking into the couch. <laughs> Come, <off>. to couch. <laughs> Come to couch.
0: Come to couch. I was about to say sinking into a conch. Like a conch. <laughs> Weird. This has got weird. <laughs> Is there anywhere else they can see you? Do you want anything else? Do, no, not not at the moment, no. Okay.
1: That's it. look tired (sighs) no i'm just
0: i only got six hours but i'm i'm awake actually sit up (laughs) don't